How far can we go in reducing health care expenses without reducing quality? According to my guest today, all of us, practitioners, hospitals, and managed care companies, have been looking at the situation in ways that just won't help. But he says he knows the answer. You're listening to Reach MDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special series on public health policy in America. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Eugene Litvak, who's the director of the Program for Management of Variability in Healthcare Delivery at Boston University Health Policy Institute. Today, we are talking about a fascinating subject that until I had read Dr. Litvak's papers, knew little or nothing about variability theory in healthcare and how using it can actually cut costs, increase quality, and actually lower mortality figures. And I hope that all the politicians running for president next year are listening to the show. Welcome, Gene. Thank you, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. Let's go over for one second variability theory. Give us an example of where we've been looking at the wrong things so that we bring our listeners up to speed. Uh, with variability theory. Let us consider the following. If you look today at any hospital, you will find that the hospital census which is the number or proportion of the occupied beds, is varying dramatically from day to day. The difference, even for weekdays, if we exclude holidays and weekends, even for weekdays, we will find that the difference between peaks and valleys in hospital occupancy could vary from 25 to 80% between two neighboring days. Now try to stuff it. What does it mean to stuff it? It means to provide the certain nursing resources to staff adequately to the demand. No hospitals in the world today, and United States included, can staff to the peaks in the demand. Nobody can. So what happened when we staff below the peaks in the demand? By the way, about 20 years ago, we used to staff to the peaks in the demand. Today, we cannot afford it. So we staff below the peaks in the demand. And what happens when we have a peak and we staff below the peak in, in bed occupancy? Our nurses are under stress. As a result of that, we have medical errors. We don't have sufficient number of hospital beds available for patients. So what happens? That emergency department becoming overcrowded. The lack of the hospital beds has been documented by General Accounting Office and many, many other studies, our program including, has documented that this is the main reason why emergency department is diverting ambulances and is being overcrowded because there is no hospital beds available to move patients from the ED to the hospital. So we have all the problems together. At the same time, the hospital is becoming a parking lot, so we lose money. So all the problems are there. Everybody is suffering, patients, nurses, physicians, chief financing officers, etc. So the situation is absolutely inappropriate. Now, the question is why the hospital census is so variable? Why we have the swings up and down? And when I talk to many hospital executives looking at their eyes, I see the answer to this question. God makes it. So patients, you know, just come in this manner and we have nothing to do, but we have to stuff to the demand, and we have to adjust, we have to face the demand. In fact, it's not necessary. There are two main hospital subflows coming into hospitals, two main portals for patients to enter the hospital. The first one is emergency department. Fifty-plus percent, usually, of all hospital admissions are coming through the emergency department. About, uh, let me consider hypothetical hospital where 30 to 35% are scheduled surgical 
admissions. Schedule, because unscheduled also coming from the emergency department. So 50 plus 35, these two portals are responsible for 85% of hospital admissions. The question is, which one of them makes the hospital census bed occupancy variable? Anybody in the right mind, just based on the common sense, would answer that this is emergency department. First of all, the volume is higher, and second, patients come into the emergency department in unpredictable manner, while the second portal is purely scheduled admission. They're totally in our hands, so they, they are not variable. And that's what common sense would suggest, and common sense is not necessarily compatible with the healthcare delivery management today. So what happened at every single hospital that we analyzed, and we analyzed dozens and dozens and dozens of them, we found that the second portal is the main cause of the variability in the hospital census, that it is literally easier to predict when somebody will break the leg than when elective hospital admission will take place. And by the way, stuffing the floors usually is about 60% of the hospital budget. So this variability costs you a lot of money, uh, not mentioning the quality and mortality. That's an example of what is going on today. So it's exactly backwards of what logic would tell us. Yes, the logic does not work here. Okay, so when you go into a hospital, you study these things. Are you actually saving money in major hospitals by using this? Oh, absolutely. What happens if you smooth it in your power to schedule uh, elective admissions, schedule admissions evenly? This is why they're scheduled. You schedule them. So we can schedule them evenly. Once we schedule them evenly, the results are astonishing. First of all, I can give you a couple of examples. At one of the hospitals, the surgical throughput, several hospitals that we were working with, surgical throughput increased significantly. When I'm saying significantly, it could be 20% plus. The number of medical admissions increased significantly. At one of the hospital admissions through the emergency department, the number of admissions increased by 60%, not mentioning quality of care and mortality rate. If you're just joining the discussion, you're listening to Public Health Policy in America on Reach MDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and I am speaking with Dr. Eugene Litvak, Professor of Healthcare and Operations Management, Director of the Program for Management of Variability in Healthcare Delivery at Boston University Health Policy Institute, and we're discussing managing variability or how to really hone healthcare costs without cutting quality. Gene, let me ask you a question. Is this just for big hospitals, or does this affect the individuals like me in my office? Absolutely not. Yes, it, it definitely affects primary care physician or a specialist practice. Absolutely does. For a very simple example, open access that many of physicians are familiar with today, open access meaning how you, if the patient calls you and wants to be seen today, when do you see the patient? So the applying variability, open access is nothing else but one of the applications of the science of the variability. What does it do? It carves out the same t certain amount of time when the patients come in unpredictable manner, and they separate it from scheduled patient arrivals. So you are not being interrupted by patients, and it, it results in significant reduction in waiting time and higher utilization rate. That's a simple example. Is this simple to put into our offices, or do we need to hire someone and, and break apart our entire schedule and rebuild it again so that we get more efficient? Yes and no. Yes, in terms of if you are talking about open access, the first thing that I suggest 
to every exec, any executive, whether it's primary care physician office, the whoever leads this office, or we are talking about the hospital, they should get a certain background, a certain minimal education in healthcare operations management. Then many issues like open access could be resolved by themselves. If, however, you want to go beyond that, if you want to figure out what is the optimal schedule, how many X-ray machines do I need, how many exam rooms I need, etc., then you may need outside help. So let me play devil's advocate here. How many political candidates are talking to you about reforming health care, or are they not even listening to what you're having to say? If you would ask me this question a year ago, it would be very easy for me to answer. I would say nobody is interested. For whatever is the reason, either some of the success stories with some of the healthcare institutions that we had, or something else that I cannot explain, we see definitely increasing interest from the legislator side. They do talk to us, as well as health maintenance insurance companies. They started talking to us. Well, that's encouraging, because in one of your papers, what scared me the most was you explained the problems with short staffing and the real number effect on mortality. You actually gave numbers that if you short staff by so many nurses, you, you increase mortality by a certain number, a real number. Yes, and here is the number. If, for example, you have, let's say, 20 25% increase in surgical, schedule surgical case volume coming to your hospital. 20 to 25%. How often, often does it happen? Every other day at any hospital. I'm very conservative. That would result in roughly 80% of all surgical case patients being subjected to 7% increase in the mortality rate. That's a pretty scary number. And the bottom line, you don't need the money to fix it. You have to apply operations management principles, particularly variability methodology, and you can fix it, as we observed, at several hospitals. Well, let me ask you a question. If we all accepted variability and we really overhauled the system, do you think we could make the system significantly work just by using this variability theory? Oh, absolutely. And I have to tell that variability methodology is nothing else but the system approach for particular healthcare delivery systems, not general, but rather for healthcare delivery. That's what it has been developed for. And unless we do that, if we are trying to affect to somehow to resolve the problem in silo by trying to solve it within the particular department units or uh, part of the PCP office, if we do not see the system as a whole, we are not going anywhere. Let me give you a very quick and straightforward example. Suppose that you want to improve your emergency department. There are many consulting groups now improving emergency departments around the country. Uh, are they wrong? No. Does it mean that emergency departments are perfect? No. However, there is no way you can improve your emergency department. If you put me in charge of elective admissions to your hospital, I can ruin everything you build in your emergency department. If I introduce a peak in admissions, your patients in the emergency department would not have a place to go from the emergency department, and you'll become overcrowded no matter how large is your emergency department. So this is a must. Well, listen, here's, here's the hard question. Where were you born? I was born in Russia. Okay, so we can't elect you for the next president. You're not a native-born American. Uh, yes, and let me tell you, it gives me some advantage. Frequently, you know, what I see in terms of the management operation. Uh, let me tell you, I admire U.S. healthcare system in terms of its clinical part. 
I think every single physician, nurse, or hospital executive I met is really committed to improvement. Nobody is mean-spirited. I can guarantee you, as I'm working with dozens and dozens of them. The problem is, however, that they don't have a necessary knowledge or training. Well, listen, this has been an absolutely fascinating introduction. Can we have you back at a future time to talk more about this? I would be pleased to. All right. Well, I want to give a special thanks to Dr. Eugene Litvak, who's been our guest. And we've been discussing variability theory and how it may be the solution to all of our health care problems in America. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg. You've been listening to a special Reach MDXM 157 series, Public Health Policy in America, the Great American Healthcare Debate. For questions or comments, complete program information on demand podcast, visit us at reachmd.com. We thank you for listening. 